From the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, here's what's new today. You know, one of the common themes in the in the play that I think is really well executed is, you know, find an identity. Pick one. Would you, for the love of God, who are you now? And and as a parent, that's really frustrating. But we've got to be empathetic enough to our own children to realize they don't know. And, and let them have that journey. That journey is important. I'm Scott Yates, photographer and multimedia journalist with the Rockford Register Star. This show is where we meet the artists who make our community a more beautiful place. This week, we meet the actors Rachel Ford and Jim Yeager. Rachel and Jim appear in the upcoming play called Dog Sees God, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead. The play is about a boy struggling through teenage angst and questioning the existence of an afterlife following the death of his dog. Rachel Ford is a graduate of North Park University where she earned a degree in creative writing in theater and performance studies. She has several local stage and ensemble credits to her name. And here we discuss a number of topics together, like how thinking of death makes us appreciate life. And we talk about her little dog, too. Jim Yeager is a teacher of mass communications at Highland Community College. And although he helps students with their film productions, he hasn't performed on stage in over 20 years. That all changes this month. The play opens at the Nordlov Center on September 13th. Rachel and Jim visited the Register Star newsroom for this podcast. So let's drop in on our conversation now. Rachel and Jim, thanks for being the first official local actors on Meet the Artist. I I should say, a shameless plug, uh, my first thespian in the house was Howie Mandel, who called in uh, from uh, from his uh, hotel in Chicago. Uh, He is of uh, currently of America's Got Talent fame. Um, I've interviewed musicians and others who are used to seeing who we are used to seeing on stage of sorts. Uh, so you are the first to use the stage in the Shakespearean se- uh, sense of the word. Can we expect Shakespeare in Dog Sees God? Not William. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe Shakespeare's cousin wrote a play once, but no, it is is this is not your typical production, and that's part of the fun is that it's it's. You know, it, what we always kind of joke about when we're in rehearsal is there's nothing, you know, none of us have anything against traditional classic theater. You know, I, Mary Poppins is a great play, but this ain't Mary Poppins. Yeah, this is very modern, um, very different than what you're used to seeing in local theater. So uh, due respect to Billy Shakespeare, but no, no, there, there will be no couplets. <laughs> there will be no sonnets. <laughs> there, there will not be any of that. <laughs> This play is very loosely based on the Peanuts comic strip characters. Uh, Like you said, uh, the characters in this play um, are more grown up. They're updated. They're turned on its side. They're frayed and covered with static, so to speak. Um, That's my poetic description of this thing, which I have not yet seen. So correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to put any words in your mouths here. Um, But... It covers topics very much in the news these days, bullying, suicide, addiction, identity, loneliness, bulimia, mental illness, abuse, and 
I'm sure the list goes on and on as the play goes on and on. What social issues aren't covered in this production? Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that kids today like face. I mean, there isn't any shooting in this, which is the most unfortunately relevant issue for uh, high schoolers today. Um, but yeah, it does cover eating disorders and insecurities and finding your identity and place in the world and like the confusion that young people face while doing that. So even though um, our parents are like, you know, they went to high school in the 70s or 80s, like even they like had the same issues in a sense that we today do. So it's like regardless of how old you are or when you were a teenager, you can see a part of yourself in the characters in this show. The play is written by Bert V. Royal. Jim, if you had written this or had a co-writing part in this, what's one issue that you would have included and why? Deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) Try not to incriminate myself with this. Um, Man, um, that's a good one. I think maybe the only issue that is highly relevant, not only in the modern day, but like Rachel was just saying too, and and intergenerationally that probably isn't covered is the idea of um, uh, parent relationships. I mean, there's, there's loose um, references to parents and relationships, but not, not really. There's, you don't see any of that dynamic, but that's also, I think part of the, Part of the, you know, um, all due respect paid to Charles Schultz and his creation, you know, one of the most iconic parts of the Charlie Brown um, cartoons was the wah, 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 wah. Every adult just makes noise, right? And that was a, a brilliant thing where, because in a kid's world, that's that's how they see adults. They see adults as just making noise. And, and so to keep the spirit, I guess, of the original, the source material, the play can't really have adults interacting with them. But that isn't, that is a major issue that teens deal with, that kids deal with. And, um, so it's not really touched on, but all the stuff that is touched on is, um, is incredibly important and also stuff that we don't like to talk about, which is, I think, part of the beauty of, you know, going back to your Shakespeare question, I, I think, I think, uh, that's, that's one thing Shakespeare did well. And, and this play does well is it tackles issues that people probably don't want to talk about, um, discusses things that maybe were considered taboo of the time, but still incredibly relevant and important. Fantastic. Let's step back a little bit for y'all's background. Uh, again, Rachel Ford, you're in the house today and Jim Yeager, you're in the house today. Rachel, you are a recent grad or a recent enough-ish graduate of North Park University. You have a degree in creative writing and in theater and performance studies. I perhaps should have asked you the question, if you had a co-writing bit in this production, what issues would you have discussed? Um, yeah, I the parent and child relationship i agree would have been a really good addition but it would have taken away from its source material um but i do like that and due to copyright reasons you guys are going to shy away from referring to charlie brown and peanuts i can do that as an educational bit um again that uh, that is a source material for this production but in no way is uh technically related yeah 
Um, so that's a, an important distinction for our listeners and future viewers of the play there. Um, Rachel, in your biography, you say you think you uh, you say you think way too much about the inevitability of death. <laughs> and when I read that, that just jumped out to me. What does that mean to you? It's just human nature. Like you get to a certain point in your life where you realize that nothing lasts forever. Not you, not the people you love, not even society. And it can be a very depressing thing. Um, but I think it's intensified because I am an actor <laughs> and a writer. So like death is a very common theme for me to think about. And sometimes it's very paralyzing to think of it at night and then you can't sleep. But, you know, which is just... where our breakfasts full of coffee yeah. comes in handy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I and it's it always surprises me how much we focus on death um, in our life. Ironically or contradictory, uh, it's it's the the spirit of life. You know, the closer you become, the closer you get to death, the more alive you feel. That is probably a theme uh, that anybody in any sphere of life can relate to. And you are saying you relate to that as a writer. Yep. <laughs> okay, good answer. Moving right along. Jim, this is going to be your first time on stage since 1995. Yeah, it's been a minute. A, a little, yeah, a little minute. A couple minutes. Yeah, might want to wind up your watch uh, there. Right. It's it's been a little bit longer than a minute here. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some inside jokes here, but you're still no stranger to being in front of an audience. Uh, that being your students, you were a, a teacher at Highland Community College. Um, uh, you've also been in a number of student films, mm -hmm. uh, so you've performed in front of live audiences before. Uh, how are you feeling about performing performing a script in front of a live audience? I'm so scared. I'm <laughs> well. I also, I, I um, uh, all throughout college, I competed in forensics, which is competitive speech and debate. And uh, I went to Rock Valley for two years, and I was on the team there for two years, and then I went to NIU and competed there for two years. So I'm used to performing in front of an audience, not just a classroom. Uh, but I, I haven't done a play in, like you said, forever <laughs> since I was in high school. It was it's it's funny actually. It was uh, we were working on student productions this summer, and one of the actors is a, uh, and one of the productions is a student at Highland who I've had in class, and um, she was I was talking to her about how different it is to to do a stage. Um, play as opposed to doing a, a film and, and the, the different kind of expressions you have to use and the different mentality you have to have going into it. So I'm going to stop you yeah. right there because I think for our uninitiated listeners, um, what is the difference between working in front of a camera and working in front of hundreds of audience members? What, 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 what does an actor have to do in those scenarios? Well, the biggest thing for, for most people is realizing that you can have a take two. Either, you know, that's, and that's what terrifies me about the play is, is if I flub it, I can't just go, all right, rewind that. There, there is no rewinding reality. There is no rewinding live. Um, and so the biggest thing is, yeah, you, you, you have that creative freedom. You have that ability to kind of bounce in and out. Um, and you also have to, you know, the, the old classic, you know, save it for the close up kid. When you're doing film, I don't have to go. 180% on my facial expressions when we're doing a wide shot. You know, I can save it for the close up. Well, in the stage, 
you know, I, you know, we're in this production, it's a black box theater. It's not a very large space. So the back of the room is going to see quite a bit, but they're not going to see as much as the front of the room. And I need to be able to project in a way that the back of the room is going to get the best experience they can get just like the guy in the front of the room. Um, and, and so it, it really changes your mental space of, of your timing and the mental space of your, your, um, kind of subtlety versus overly expressive, uh, nature of things. We've mentioned all the very deep subject matter covered in this play, bullying, suicide, addiction, identity, uh, sexual identity, loneliness, bulimia, mental illness, abuse, going on down the list here. With all these intense subject matters being covered here, how have you guys connected with your individual characters? Rachel? Yeah. Um, it was very hard for me to connect with this character because she most likely does have bipolar disorder. She is definitely psychotic, um, or a sociopath, one of the two. (laughs) Um, so it's very hard to like get out of my mindset of like, oh, I got to be nice to people. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and becoming this like really mean and nasty person who likes to mess you know with my ex and like you don't know if i'm telling the truth or not so it's like it was very hard for me to become that person and how do you make that switch from a seemingly very sweet person in real life to uh, someone who is out of control and monstrous in some situations how, how do you handle that I have no idea. I try not to think too much about it because if something is super serious and kind of sad, like I just push it to the back of my mind and just try to focus on the story that I'm trying to tell for the particular character that I've been cast on. So it's not easy, but like if you don't think too much about it, then it gets easier the more you play around with the character's story. And Jim, you are playing Van Describe your character there and what you had to do to connect with that and uh, and and bring your character to life. Sure, uh, Van, um, you'll recognize as somebody with a um, attachment to a piece of cloth. Let's put it that way. Uh, but now Van, like a blanket or something, you of could that say nature. a metaphorical security blanket almost. Uh, <laughs> now Van, however, is um, a pothead Buddhist uh, teenager, and so to kind of connect with it, I just smoked a lot of weed. A lot of weed. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, I um. <laughs> and that's our banner quote that's going to live in the top uh, 30 seconds awesome. of this show. Yeah. That's going to really just be the only part of the cool. show people You're going to send this to my to. boss, right? Your boss. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a copy to your daughter. Is please. He here? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so you were telling us how you got into the character here. Uh, yeah. Am I am I right to assume you it, this wasn't much of a, a flip for you as it was for Rachel. It actually was. It oh, actually okay. was. That's the thing is, okay. is um, I've, I've known a lot of people who enjoy medicinal um, herb. I'm not. Which will be legal in Illinois. January uh, 1. January 1. Where, yeah, January 1. I'll get a lot more into character, but um, the play will be over then, so I'll get a lot to do. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, I, I'm, that's actually been the hardest part for me is because he's, he is, his, his life revolves around weed, um, and I'm just not that guy. That's never been me. But what I've been able to really connect to is that identity. And, and, and um, you know, I think my personal theory is that every 
awkward teenager at one time or another thought about being a Buddhist. Uh, you know, every awkward teenager at one point or another thought they were a Buddhist. Right. And, and Van really, that's what I really cued in on with him. And, um, you know, the, the guy grew up needing that, that security blanket. He grew up with that fixation on the outside source of, of safety. And now that outside source of safety is a pipe. That outside source of safety is, uh, you know, a, a Buddhist philosophy that he only kind of understands. You know, that outside source of safety is, you know, his best friend's sister. Yeah, he, he, he's got to have something outside of him to give him peace. And that's what I really connected with is because I think, again, every teenager goes through that. And having teenagers, that's I, I watch them and I'm like, come on, you don't don't do this. Like, you know, better, you know, so that's 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 what I connected with is, is I see a lot of my my kids in van. So in your so as a parent of teenagers, is your participation in this production at, at portraying Van a a warning tale to your own kids? I think my life is a warning tale to my own kids. I don't need to play for that. Uh, I mean, no, I, I actually one of the things I really love about it is that my oldest son is transgender. And, you know, so he's been dealing with these these, you know, not only gender identity, but sexual identity questions that are in the play. And I like the way it handles it in a very um, you know, respectful and real way. And so that's, that's, that's what I really loved about it with my kids is, you know, I can't wait for my son to see it, you know, like I'm really excited for him to see it and, you know, be embarrassed by me, but also to like see this really cool story and, and, and realize, okay, cool. There's, there's, there are members of this community. There are members of the, this area, um, who, support him and who want him to do well and people like him. So that's, that's the lesson for me, for my kids is not, you know, don't be van, but you know, don't be Matt, <laughs> you know, don't, don't be, you know, don't be the jerk of the story. It's be a pothead. So long as you're not a jerk, right? That's, I mean, maybe that's not the best parenting advice. I don't think Dr. Spock would endorse it, but that's, that's where I land. So speaking of parenting advice, are there lessons in this production that parents could use to supplement their, quote, the talk with their children or any other talks that parents may need to uh, have with their children? I'm looking at I'm looking at you, Rachel. But perhaps I was a kid once. What was that like? Um, I think for me, it's like the kids talking to the parents about, hey, this is what matters to us. Um, Listen to us. This is what we go through and this is what we're not comfortable talking to you about. But we're going to show you parts of our life. And I think I think a lot of teens wish or like not, you know, a lot of teens yeah do wish that they did have that connection with their parents that they were able to understand each other and accept who they are. Like, <laughs> Perhaps we should flip the question back to the professional parent here. <laughs> I don't get paid for that. Are you kidding? <laughs> I have to pay people to let me parent. Uh, what, what do you think? Uh, I, I just thought of that question out of the blue. Is, is, are there any sort of life lessons folks can uh, learn by watching this production absolutely and and you know um disclaimer i'm not the guy you should listen to about parenting probably my kids would probably argue that but i will say that as a parent one of the things that i've really one of the lessons i really love about this is because i struggle with this myself with my own kids they don't always know themselves 
And we want them as parents. We want them to know themselves and we want them to answer to things and things will happen. And we say, well, why would you do this? Or what are you doing with this? And, you know, one of the common themes in the, in the play that I think is really well executed is, you know, find an identity, pick one. Would you, for the love of God, who are you now? And, and as a parent, that's really frustrating, but we've got to be empathetic enough to our own children to realize they don't know. And, and let them have that journey. That journey is important. You know, you know, Van in 20 years probably isn't still going to be a pothead Buddhist. But being a pothead Buddhist is a, an important part of where he's going to be in 20 years. Right. He needs that step to get there. You know, CB doesn't know where he lands on the on the sexual identity spectrum. He doesn't know what he is or, or who he is. And it's that journey that's really important for him to find it. And And so as parents, we need to respect the journey and, and give kids that space to have the journey. Um, you know, it's one of the things I always tell my kids is like, I don't, so long as you're not a jerk, I'm not really, I don't really care much about what else you identify as, you know, (laughs) you want to be the emo kid this week. Cool. Don't make me listen to it. I'm fine with that. You know, just don't be a jerk. Um, letting those kids have that journey, no matter how frustrating it might be for you. I think is, I think that's a big takeaway for, for parents in this, this play. Let me uh, remind our listeners here a moment. I am with actors Rachel Ford and Jim Yeager. They are uh, in the newest production of Dog Sees God, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead. The show is opening at the Nordloff Center in downtown Rockford this month on Friday the 13th. Shows are on the 13th, the 14th, 20th, and 21st. We'll have information for you to click on in the description of this podcast. So, Rachel and Jim, the play is opening on Friday the 13th. I think you just had an aha moment here. Is that significant to you in any way? Um, I kind of have known that I was going to open on the 13th on a Friday. Um, I'm just a huge horror fan, and it's just so – it's just really cool (laughs) – that it's opening on Friday the 13th. I actually graduated from RBC on a Friday the 13th. So it's just, it's really cool when something awesome happens on that day. You can tell I'm very excited and passionate about this particular day. That's great. And uh, again, we'll have information in the description of this podcast so folks can uh, get out there to the Nordloff Center on September 13th here. Um I failed to uh, learn if you guys are from the area. Uh, Rachel, you're from Rockford area? Yeah, I'm from Rockford. Um, and Jim, yeah. where are you from? The state line area. I was born born in Loves Park, lived in Roscoe, lived in Beloit, lived in Rockford. I live in Roscoe now, so all over the place. Yeah. So that definitely informs my next question here. As participants and practitioners of the Rockford art scene, where do you guys think the future of the Rockford art scene is headed here. I think with social media and word of mouth combined, um, it's going to get more people involved and to the theater. And I feel like it's just going to continue to grow. And it's just really nice that other theaters support other theaters. So it's like, it's just really cool. Like what modern technology can do for a lot of things, including the arts So, Jim, you are a teacher of mass communication over there at Highland Community College, where you help students pursue their creative endeavors. As a leader in the creative scene here, um, where do you think art is going in Rockford? Um, 
obviously I have a, a bit of a, um, what Kenneth Burke called occupational psychosis and that I fixate on the multimedia end of it. But I, I love how many different avenues art is going in this area. You know, um, you, you, I love the fact that growing up in this area and my family has deep, deep roots in this area. I love that the Rockford symbol is kind of this really weird symbol to some people, but really beautiful symbol to others. It's art, right? The, the symbol of Rockford is a piece of art. It's a piece of modern art. It's a piece of sculpture. And we have beautiful uh, classical art in this area, like performing arts, like, you know, uh, painting and, and museums and galleries. But we also have a really amazing multimedia art scene coming up. Um, there are some wonderful filmmakers in this area. Wonderful filmmakers. Um, obviously, you know, Bing Liu was nominated for an Oscar. You know, he's a Rock Valley grad. You know, big ups, Rock Valley mascot. Uh, that's where I started. So um, we've, we've got guys who stay local. Pablo Corona does the RCDR story stuff. You know, Pablo's a kid. I, I went to school with Pablo. You know, like we've got people who are doing really cool things in this area, taking art in a different direction and in a very not only homegrown, but home positive kind of a way. And that's one of the things I really like about the Rockford community is, is and especially the art scene is it's very supportive of not just the art scene, but of the community as a whole. And we're bringing pride back to the area that I think is really important. Past guests have uh, described evidence of Rockford experiencing an art renaissance in the last uh, 10 years or so, and we're, we're reaping those benefits uh, today. Where do you think cultural gatekeepers can work harder to facilitate that trend uh, with more art and better art uh, in, in the Rockford area? Is, is there room for improvement? And if so, where do you think that is? <laughs> so, so Jim, as a as a teacher at, at a college, you are almost a middleman in this whole system. You have some sort of authority over your students, and yet you're still uh, you have to follow a curriculum, and you have bosses there. So, uh, you're you're almost seeing uh, the most wow, most well rounded picture of of art creation there. Where where do you see some room for improvement? Get out. <laughs> Not just the movie, but the idea as well. People need to go, right? We need to get out there and support the, the art that's in our communities, um, whether that's local music, whether that's a local performance, whether that's a, a local play, whether that's a local gallery. Get out there because there's phenomenal work being done, but that work is also very easily discouraged, and it's very easily poo-pooed, and it's very easily dismissed. It, get out. You know, I, I just I, I go to my friends shows and I go to go to, you know, um, you know, events in the community. And I'm like, why are there 600 people here? Because you see a lot of people saying we need more art in the community. We need more of this identity. Cool. Then go. Right. And I get that you can't go to everything. And look, man, I got five kids. I know it's hard to leave the house. I get that it's hard to leave the house. But if it's important enough, you find a way and, and you want great art. You have to foster it. You have to support it. You know, um, you know. As, like Rachel said earlier, social media is fantastic for this. You, you, you want local art to, to thrive? It costs you nothing, and you can sit in your living room to share a video, 
right? To share a page, to, you know, spread the word through your network about what's going on in your community. Maybe I can't go to this, you know, this gallery opening, but I can share that there is a gallery opening. And then people who I know who might not even have been aware of it can go to that gallery opening. So I'm still helping the community. Not everything is about showing up. Sometimes it's about helping facilitate others show up, which then facilitates better art, more art. Good business is often the practice of making it easier for folks to part with their money. And in the creative scene, let's make it easy for folks to get together with their art. So that's a great point there. Rachel Ford and Jim Yeager, you guys are actors in the upcoming production of Dog Sees God, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead. This conversation has been so enlightening. Thank you for your time. Before I let you go, I want to end on a lighter note um, with uh, with a question that I like to pose to all of my guests. But, Rachel, this one's going to you. Um, I like to troll and scroll through the Instagram feeds of all of my guests to look for an image or a post or a video that just screams for its backstory to be told here. And you and I follow each other on Instagram. Can I can I share your Instagram tag with everybody? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> so Rachel Ford, you can be found on Instagram at Rachel underscore M underscore Ford. That's uh, Rachel R A C H E L. By the way, um, and uh, we're recording this on a sun on a Saturday afternoon, but the day feels smooth like a Sunday morning. Plus, we talked about some heavy stuff. So I'm just going to take this in a fun direction to end the show. I'm looking at one of your most recent posts from January 17th. It's a soft focus portrait of a sleepy dog who's got those puppy dog eyes looking straight into the camera. You are clearly a dachshund dog mama. Yeah. And so (laughs) I want you to just tell us uh, what's going on in this photo and why you love this little guy so much he was just lying around one day and my dad took the picture and i fell in love with it because he's my dog he's my baby um we actually got a another dachshund puppy a little bit ago he's turning six months um in on the 20th i just i just really love my dog so it's like interesting that i'm in a show where the dog of the main character dies. It's a little sad, but it's like it makes me love my dogs even more and appreciate that I have them in my life. Again, the closer you get to death, sometimes the greater you appreciate life itself. Yeah. (laughs) Rachel Ford and Jim Yeager, thank you guys so much for coming into the Rockford Register Star Newsroom today. Thank you you for having us. Yeah. Meet the Artist is made possible through the journalism of the Rockford Register Star. The episode's theme music is called Break Time by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and Filmmusic.io and is used under a Creative Commons by 4.0 license. For more from the newsroom of the Rockford Register Star, go online at rrstar.com.